0: Alright, and welcome back. Today we're going to have an episode that falls under the marriage habits sequence. We categorize this under season force in your app. If you may have it by season, so you want to find other things on this topic, you can go there. Or you can go into the show notes and you can see the link to the dedicated podcast, which we have just to um, these topics. And you can go to marriage, themarriagehabit.com and you find the podcast and subscribe from there. So uh, today... The topic is called the question of control, the hidden dynamic of all marriages. So I'll open by saying the default area most therapists and marriage counselors will probably come and address with you is communication. And this is not wrong. Certainly bad communication can contribute to conflict problem is that communication isn't a root cause. It's just a means. And you can say, well, what's bad communication? What are those tools? I think most people are relatively good at communicating. In fact, they're probably good and that's what's causing the problem because they're communicating a root intent. And we're going to go into that and why this is overlooked when it shouldn't be. Because really, if we look at marriages from a biblical perspective, And as part of that biblical perspective is to see what is the design that God has, as opposed to the therapeutic approach, the methodology, which is the design upon the human mind, we'll see that at the root of marriages is the concept of control. Now, in this, and I will let you decide in your own decision, I'm here just to represent the Bible and then kind of like work it out. But as you know, I believe that hermeneutics or um, exegesis is based on you look at the scripture itself, the whole text as a system, you look upon yourself and you look at the world and then you kind of evaluate. So whenever we go into Genesis or the other parts of Genesis, uh, particularly in the garden, we know that's very genderized. There is something that's part of the male figure and something part of the female figure. And one interpretation says, well, this is correlating to the nature of humans, um, now, you may disagree with that, and that is up to you. I'm not going to debate that. You take that up with scripture directly and with God. But I am going to present it in that, in that format. But if that's going to get in the way, of you trying to understand the truth behind it, then feel free to disregard that scriptural part and then try to take away the actual facts of it. Then look out into the world with a clear eye and exegete the world yourself. So, We're going to talk today that the issue isn't communication. The issue actually is control at its root. Now, it's very easy to overlook it, which is why all of this leadership, all problems, really can come down to an exegetical problem. We ourselves do not want to see ourselves or the world or Scripture itself rightly. And so that's why, if you're interested Go in and find out this course on how to exegete properly, but that's not what this is about. So let's take a look at one translation of Genesis 316. So I'll read the whole thing and then moving forward, we'll just take a short look at the relevant passage. So Genesis 316. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe with painful labor. You will give two children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Genesis 3.16. You go to any number of pastors or Christian therapists, and they will say, ah, oh, see? The pain that women have is that they want their husbands. They desire their husbands, and that is the punishment that God gave to women for her role in the fall. And there's so much sort of uh, thesis around that, which is why in the therapeutic model, I've seen it with couples, I've seen it in situations with myself, the therapist or the pastor gets counseling, will see the woman behave like crying or upset and interpret that as, oh, but that's a sign of her desire. That's her desire for love. That's her desire for connection. So husband, interpret it that way and fix it. But that, that is not what the scripture says. And so that misdiagnosis actually breaks relationships. And I'll spend more time in that, but if you've been in a marriage context where the wife is breaking down and is unhappy and the other person says, oh, well, this is a sign of her desire for you, therefore, man, you must have done something wrong. And I've seen this. It's happened to me. This is not right. So let's take a look at what the ESV says. It says, to the woman, he said, ba, 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 your desire shall be contrary to your husband. Well, that sounds really different. Contrary sounds like the difference of, different from your desire will be for your husband. Here it says, your desire will be to be in opposition towards your husband. One other way they interpret it is is to be toward your husband. But but again some people interpret toward means oh I want to go towards that person in a loving embracing way and it's it's not. It's to be contrary. It's to come against going towards them. But ironically the one which actually I believe captures contextually, and we'll see what that context is, the essence of what's really at stake, is the NLT, which typically is not a good translation. It says, but you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, that's a very, very different, and I want you, if you're listening to this, if you're the husband, start to reflect and place a context and interpretation of what has happened in terms of whether control is a large part of what's going on. Is control a large part of what is happening? And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then if you're the wife, be honest and think, it is some of the things a desire for control? You're frustrated because they're not behaving in ways that you want it. Because you have a desire for control. Now, let's consider this uh, other, other, other context. Hold on one second here. All right. Hopefully that buzz saw isn't as big. I'm going to try to see if I can take it out in post. Uh, so where was I? So let, let's take a look at why I think that's the more apt interpretation. So later on in Genesis, Genesis four, the same word is used and translated. So let's take a look at the context. So what's happening is God is seeing uh, what is going on after um, uh, Cain has murdered his brother. And he sort of opens up with, hey, why are you angry? Why do you look dejected? But he's he's really going to come in and start talking to him about... Um, Basically, what what is his future going to be as an outcome of what what he has done? Like he he's he's caught him in the in 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 um in his in his desire to um, basically kill his brother, and so six the Lord is talking to Cain and he's he's seeing the face of dejection, and then the next day. Cain kills his brother Abel. Okay, so it's a very cinematic and sort of forward-looking looking moment. Um, so he says, "You'll be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out." And here's the key part: sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it, rule over it. Or be its master. So that same verb here translated in the NLT is eager to control you. And then it was in the corresponding respective translations, control, substitute for um, contrary to and desire. So we see in this context, it can't possibly be a loving, embracing form of word, this when it was used as desire, because it's substituted here, because sin is 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 eager to de- desires you, but but that that can't possibly be a loving positive experience. The contrary does make sense. It's it's against you, but it's that doesn't communicate why the response is you must subdue it either here in Genesis three or Genesis six, uh, uh, Genesis four six. It is true. It is against you. Sin is against you. But it's not conveying within the context what does sin do. Sin doesn't just want to be against you. Like if you were to ask in this context of Cain, knowing what he does in Genesis 4, 8, which is to lure his brother and to kill him, God is forewarning him. So, so it's, it's, it makes more sense that he is forewarning him against sin, taking control of his heart. And if you want to overcome this, you must subdue it. That's the same verb. And so control entirely makes sense in that context. So let's now go back and see what that really means. You will desire to control your husband, but in response to that, he will rule over you. Now, again, if you want to alternate the genders based on your own perspective, that's fine. I'm just going to work with what the scriptures say. And then you can sort of extrapolate its its applicability. But in a very anecdotal situation, now let's set aside extreme dysfunctions where a husband is extremely jealous or insecure or violent, then yes, that's a form of control, and he's the one who's controlling, and then the woman's not ruling over. But, you know, I'm going to apply the marriage habit concepts, sort of like take away the extremes of dysfunction and look at the inherent dysfunctions that happen to everybody. So, like the normal dysfunctions. And try to... Imagine, just yourself, you're listening to this, what is the dynamic of control, right? What typically tends to be the dynamic when it comes to control? So control, we tend to think of, oh, I'm forbidding you from going there. It's, it's, we, we make the assumption, and it's some ways a gendered assumption, that, oh, control means I'm going to strong arm it. So it must be the men, only men control because they force and they hold them down and they put people in shackles. But, but that, 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 that while that's desired as sort of this uh, metaphor, right? Because sin is crouching at the door. So later on, we see how sin is likened to a, 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 a tiger. This forceful nature does seem to make sense but we, we have to start putting in the context of what happened in the garden and what do we see in actual life is it is can is force the only way to have control and is it in fact the most common in at least in the modern modern day and we have to look at types of behavior. So. Shaming, which we'll talk about, is a common dynamic. And it's more often uh, something that men are vulnerable to and women use as it's a form of control. You shame a man, he will choose to do what avoids shame. Right? So control has to do with who wants things a certain way. Who has an, who's more likely to have an expectation and then do things? to get it by expressing criticism, by shaming, by emotion. So again, it can either be male or female, but both people are, are suspect, but look carefully at your relationship and see who does it. Control comes from, they have a desire for certain types of behavior and it's not happening. So therefore they're trying to get control. And it's often through Expressing the person that it's not great in sort of a non direct, not clear way. So, if somebody wants something and they ask directly, that's not control. They're actually making a request. That's, that's why I feel this is a very important topic. But dysfunctional couples, and you can see me, but we both do it evenly, sometimes it's going to be one side more than the other. They don't ask directly, they exert control by asking it in subversive ways or unclear ways or by expressing resentment or unspoken expectations. All that comes down to control because you want something from the other person without them making the decision on their own. And the only way they can make that decision on their own is if you ask them, not demand them, not corner them, but ask them in such a way that they are free To say no. But look within the context of how it's done. Does somebody get too upset if you express your counter-opinion? And rather than saying, okay, well, let me hear what you said. Well, here's the other reason why I still think it makes sense. Or do they get upset because you had a counter-opinion? That other person wants control if someone's preoccupied with how they appear in public and they put on a false front and then out of exhaustion they 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 shame the family household internally, that's also control. That's a control for image. The reason why control is so important as in passage and it's so odd to me, it's overlooked, is, remember, the relationship between the husband and the wife in the Bible was meant to illustrate the relationship between the church and Christ. So here they're not saying that there's, I know there's some challenges because Christ is sinless and blah, blah, blah. and, And the husband is not, but, but, but if Paul's intent is that the church is like the wife and it's issue that it must resolve to come in unity with Christ, And one of those is not desiring to control. Is not that perhaps one of the issues the church faced in its relationship with Christ himself? It's to control. It's to bend him to their own image, their own needs. It's how you get the prosperity gospel. It's how you get things where he's personified as just a human being who is cool or a teacher There's a desire to control. It's a natural desire to control. And so to me, it would make total logical systemic sense that here in Genesis, that same dynamic is there. It plays out in the relationship between the church and Christ and very much in the dynamic between two people, husband, husband and wife. Now, I will make the case that I think it's worth exploring that perhaps... The Bible is gendered. They're talking about this desire for control as predominantly coming from the wife. And man's response will be to rule over that. So again, you're free to, you know, reverse that or do whatever you want. But I, I, I think it happens. Anecdotally, we know, I know that that there's often the women can do things like they withhold sex or they cry rather than having a, a, a discussion. Or they have bursts of temper, and um, or they nag. All of those things are a form of control. The man we tries to rule over may be to get angry, to be resistant, to refuse to do things, to shut down. there is some desire to re-exert rule, and not because they want to rule to dominate, but because really, if we look at the dynamic, there should be some form of respect given towards the husband, and looking to him for leadership. Women will often say he lacks leadership, but that definition of leadership sometimes has been distorted. There are some cases, and we'll talk about that, where men are totally passive. They don't do anything. They never get up. They don't have any skills. They don't have any desires. Um, they're not interested in painting a thing for the future. But... but I think sometimes women have this higher level of expectation and then they put this criticism. No man wants to be under criticism, so they withdraw to escape the criticism. The woman says, wow, he's withdrawing, so I'm going to put more things on because I'm now more mad. And then the cycle continues. And it's a control cycle, not a communication cycle. No amount of communication is going to actually fix that. No amount of communication. You might lessen some of the issue. Perhaps the man might be able to have some skills to be able to speak directly, hey, about why they don't like or how they're feeling. But if the underlying force is control, and we can psychoanalyze this all to death, but is there a sense a loss of control and a desire for more control then this is the dynamic that will happen. Why this is not talked about, I just, I, I, I don't know. Perhaps because it appears too gendered. Um, I, I, I don't think there's something wrong. It's not saying that they're, 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 there's something inherently wrong with um, one sex or the other because this dynamic exists. It, it exists. It can go both ways, certainly. Um, but th- there's a reason why you know, this control slash criticism slash shame, all kind of interconnect with each other. And so if you're listening to this, if you're planning a marriage, if you're already in a marriage, um, I would say, look deeply at the issues of control. P- people won't talk about it. the therapists won't talk about this because they prefer to talk about communication skills and your past if you need to go into your past then especially for women just because it it says this but but i think that it's worth it is to ask the question did you feel controlled by a parent so a parent that um smothers you who limits you from being able to do things that those things could invite control did you see the same dynamic, a henpecked husband with a dominating mother? That's control. And so your model becomes one of control. The other thing that has nothing to do with it is, are you anxious? And because you haven't kind of like gotten your hand on, hey, the world can't be controlled, there, th- there is anxiety typically because we feel we should have control over things we don't have control over. And so we can bring the anxiety of the things outside of us and say, well, at least I can try to control the people in my family, particularly my husband. And, ah! Uh, so control is an ugly thing. I think it's a broader thing that these habits, these devotional habits, help to address. But, but I really do think that... Um, Without being willing to look at the desire for control, we are missing something that may have been hardwired. So if you have questions about this, go ahead and place them into the comments. Um, If you're on your podcasting app, that might just have to be the review for now until we can sort out something easier. Uh, If we have something else, we might add it in the show notes. But let me know what you think. Do you believe the question of control has ever been taught to you? in the context of relationships in a marriage. And when you hear me talk about it, what do you think? I, I'm very curious to see whether you think the gendered nature of it is is not appropriate, even though it's that way in the Bible. Or if there is something about it, something underneath the truth of our design and the evolution of uh, sort of like the uh, of man in the modern age, modernity, not both men and women, but I mean men. So if people is there something there? And and my theory on all of this is always, which would you rather be? Would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And so it, it is worth to like say, is joy missing? Because one party or the other is permitting control. So until next time, see you later.